Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning to you guys once again. It's good to see you guys in God's house. Um, I love um, this time of year. I always love, uh, you know, the transition of one year to the next. Uh, when one year's ending, a new year is about to begin. Um, I always think it's a great opportunity to kind of push reset and uh, prepare our hearts for what God is going to do. And that's one of the reasons why we've always done over the last 10 years, 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. Uh, it's a great time uh, of the year to just get our hearts right, our minds right, and prepare for what God is going to do. Um, and one of the things that, that has really been on my heart for several months, um, starting in about August or September, was I really felt like God wanted uh, 2018, like when I would pray and, and think about what, what am I going to talk about in 2018, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart about 2018 being a year of kingdom authority, kingdom dominion. And so that, that may come across as, what, what does that mean? I'm, I'm glad you asked. We're going to uh, uh, share with you what that means. And uh, it was kind of confirmed. It was one of those things that I was really sensing, and then it was confirmed uh, through a word that I received on my birthday uh, this year. I was given a word, and, and it just kind of confirmed everything that I had been sensing in my heart that God wanted to do for 2018, and um, usually we, uh, when it comes to talking about the characteristics of God, what I have noticed in the body of Christ is that we spend most of our time talking about the nurturing side of God, the loving side of God, and the gentle side of God, but like that's kind of where the body of Christ has been. But you have to understand that all authority has been given to Jesus, and he never lacked confidence. So though we appreciate the loving and nurturing and gentle side of God, anybody thankful for that? Like you're thankful? We're, we, we all celebrate that. But we cannot leave out the, the other side of God, the, the, the one who has been given all authority, all dominion, all power. And so I believe that we are coming into a season here at Bethesda where we're about to take some steps into God's kingdom and start seeing his rule and his government in our lives, all right, on a new level. And so with that being said, we're going to kick off a series next Sunday called All In, and we're going to talk about stepping in to the kingdom of God because we often preach Jesus, which we should do. All right, hit your neighbor and say, we should. All right, I don't want anybody to leave and say, he said, don't preach Jesus. No, Jesus is the way to salvation. We do preach Jesus, but a lot of times we don't preach the message Jesus preached. What was his message? The kingdom. Everywhere you see Jesus teaching, he is teaching about the kingdom. This rule, this government of God that uh, he, he was so about it that when the disciples said, teach us to pray, he said, when you pray, you need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's a powerful message, and today, uh, with that in mind, I, I want to talk to you about kingdom alignment through fasting. 
kingdom, I know that's a mouthful. I couldn't come up with a catchier phrase, sorry. I was not in my creative juices, I don't guess. But anyway, kingdom alignment through fasting. What you have to understand about prayer and fasting is that prayer and fasting aligns you with God's will. And a lot of people miss that, that it, it positions you to receive from God. Now, salvation, let's, let's talk about this real quick. Salvation is free for you and I. How many know Jesus paid the price in full? He became sin, right? He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when we receive Christ, when we are saved, we understand that is a work that we had nothing to do with. Jesus did the work. But here's what I have came, I've gotten to this conclusion. Salvation is free because Jesus paid the price for it. But on the other hand, what we need to know is, is that once you are saved, and this is a sad truth for a lot of Christians, you can be saved and ready for heaven, but be powerless on the earth. It is possible to be ready for heaven and miserable until you get there. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, we got to change that. we got to change that. So you can be ready for heaven, but miserable until you get there. Salvation is free, but life in the kingdom will cost you. I'm going to say it again. Salvation is free, but the kingdom life will cost you something. It requires revelation, but it also requires obedience. When you first get saved, God uh, has this way of dropping blessings all around you. I don't know about you, but I remember when I first got saved, and it just seemed like every corner I turned, there was blessing. Uh, everywhere I went, I was getting a word from God, and, and it was just like I could see God in everything. Anybody remember when you first get saved? Like, there's just blessing all over the place. God is just, as, as a two-year-old, he's walking you, you know what I'm saying? He's just doing everything for you. But after you've been saved for a while, you start to, to arrive at a place where you realize, well, I don't see him everywhere, and he's not just dropping blessing out of the sky everywhere I go, and what, what is different? And, and so the, what we have to know is that at some point in your relationship with God, instead of just dropping blessing on you every single day, every hour, speaking to you every single day, God is going to make you mature by learning how to function in his kingdom and work the word for yourself. Got two amens. And the reason is because we like on the recliner and the blessings falling. We like life where God is just doing it all, where God is just taking care of everything. Salvation is, Lord, will you save me? And God does a work that you cannot do. But something shifts from salvation to operating in the kingdom. It moves from God doing a work for you to God saying, if you, then I'll. If you, then I'll. And so Jesus comes preaching the kingdom. And he gives us principles like give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He gives us principles of lay hands on the sick. In other words, do something on your end and then I'll do something on my end. 
He said things like this. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but my kingdom operates on a different level than the system you're in. He said, when somebody hits you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek and let them hit that side as well. Some of you are like, yeah, I'll do that after I punch them in the nose, all right? What was he doing? He was teaching us that his kingdom functions completely different than the world in which we live. And so he, he said things like pray for your enemies and love, love those who despitefully use you and, and all those things. And so he says, if you, then I'll. And we, we see this in Deuteronomy 28. It says in verse 1, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. God said, I'm going to set you apart. If you function uh, according to my principles, I'll, I'll raise you above the nations. That was what God told him. But when you look at the children of Israel, before they received this word, if you go back to when they were in bondage and God delivered them from Egypt, when you read that story, what you read is miracle after miracle after miracle. God was doing some amazing things. He sent ten plagues. He, he caused the Red Sea to split. He, he caused water to come out of a rock. He caused manna to fall out of the sky. It was all God. It was they, If they needed a miracle, God did it. And, and what you see with those miracles is that any time something was out of their control, out of God's people's control, God would do a miracle. But everything shifted once they came out of Egypt, walked through the Red Sea, walked through the wilderness, and then stepped into the promised land. When they stepped into the promised land, all of a sudden it wasn't miracle after miracle, God raining down manna and water out of a rock and all that stuff. God said, you will get out of the land what you put into it. See, I was raised with a theology of just believe for a miracle. Just believe for a miracle. And, and y'all need to hear my heart. I believe in miracles. I am a miracle. Come on, somebody. I, I believe in miracles. But there is a problem when we live from one miracle to the next, and after that miracle, we're just waiting on another miracle. There is something wrong if you need a miracle every day of the week. Something's wrong. Because at some point, you got to step into a place where you don't require a miracle every day to survive, but you can get out of your relationship with God, what you put into it. And so Jesus gave us principles. I used to think the principles were, if I keep the principles, I'll stay saved. Bad theology. I can't, how, how can I keep everything to stay saved when I had nothing to do with my salvation? Come on, somebody. If I had nothing to do with it and he did the work, I'm not keeping principles to stay safe. I'm keeping principles to step out of the world system and to step into God's kingdom where I lack nothing, positioning myself so that what's in heaven can flow freely into my earth. But I have to work the word. I have to do that. Man, I'm about to kick something. Now, when we, when we step back, and don't get mad at me over that miracle thing, all right? But if you live from miracle to miracle and you all, you're always needing a miracle, that means you're not functioning in the kingdom. If you start functioning in the kingdom, you won't need a miracle every day. 
Man, I am preaching today. Success, success is not automatic. Success is not an accident. Success is intentional. The problem with many of us is, is we want someone else's success. We want the results. We want what people have, but we don't want to do what they did. We, we, we want what they got, but we don't, we don't want to. Like, people show up at the church at this point, over 1,000 people, and they may look at me and say, man, it must be nice to have that. But it's a, it's a, I'm doing them a disservice if they can only see us at this point, and they did not see the journey, the, all the times when we had to pray and believe God and fast and trust that God's kingdom would come. Like, you show up at this point and think, man, it must be nice. But you don't know the price. You don't know the price somebody is paying. So before you ever criticize someone for what they have, you may want to consider their journey. You may want to consider their journey. Now, great example. Before I give you the example, God is not a respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. Example. If you want to lose 100 pounds, how many? that's not going to happen in a day unless you hire a doctor to cut it all out. It's going to be, come on somebody, smile at me. It's going to be a little thing that you do every day over a long period of time. And when you do that, that little thing that you do consistently every day becomes a big thing. All right? That, that's the way the kingdom of God works. God's ultimate goal, I said all that to get to this point. God's ultimate goal is not to get you into heaven. God's ultimate goal is that you bring heaven into the earth. See, the problem in the church for years was, is that I always thought it's just about heaven until I realized that he had given us principles of the kingdom. Jesus' message was the kingdom. All he preached was the kingdom. So it's not an escape mentality that we just holding on until Jesus comes. He said, you will be. That means I don't have to do. I can be in his kingdom, be a witness to everyone around. We are supposed to be showing the world who Jesus is. And the only way to do that is to bring his kingdom into our earth. He said, you are the light of the world. Our problem in the church, I've never seen a light that had lips. Come on, somebody. We, we, we think we got to talk everybody into it. But if you will just be who God has called you to be, listen, the world will take notice. You don't have to tell everybody all that you've done and all that you've become, all that stuff. You, you just be and allow the kingdom to come into your life. Now, our fast begins tomorrow. And I'm going to be talking about the kingdom. I'm, I gave you a little nugget today. But I'm going to be talking about the kingdom the whole month of January. But here's what fasting does. Fasting brings me into alignment with his kingdom. There are some things that God wants to bring from heaven, his government, all right, his rule. He wants to bring it into where you live. Fasting helps me position myself so that that can flow freely. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14, it says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. 
And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Now, you got to know, he's, he's saying this to his disciples. You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? He's like, how long I got to put up with this mess? This is to his followers. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, I love that they came private. Why did they come private? Because they were embarrassed. They had just prayed, nothing happened. Jesus comes, rebukes the devil, the boy's set free, and they wait for the crowd to leave. And they come privately because they're embarrassed, and they say, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So you can take the story for what it is. The disciples couldn't do anything with the boy that needed help. And Jesus called them two things. He said, you're unbelieving and you're perverse. This is interesting because when we look at the word unbelieving, we usually just think in terms of doubt. And it does mean that, but there is a deeper meaning to this word unbelieving. The deeper Greek meaning of this word means disconnected from God. He's saying this to his followers. How many know that you can, you can be saved but be disconnected, if you will? What, what do you mean by that, Pat? There are seasons where you're more connected to God than others. Come on, somebody. There are seasons when you're fired up and you're ready, you, you're ready to cast every devil. You'd go to hell with a water gun. You're ready. But how many know there are seasons when you don't want nothing to do with any of it? Like, I couldn't move anything. You just, you're just not as connected as you should be. So Jesus said, you're disconnected from me, but he also called them perverse. The word perverse means too connected to the world. He said, so we got two problems with why this didn't work for you. You're disconnected from your source of power, and you're too connected to the world. What we need to understand as followers of Christ is that if the enemy can't get us to turn our back on God, what's the next best thing? Get us so distracted with TV, sporting events, social media, all the stuff of life that we are too distracted with all the stuff of the world that we're so connected to the world that we can't do and function like God wants us to function. You have to be careful that you don't get so distracted because that's really what it, is, what it means, that you are too, you're disconnected from God and too connected to the world. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing to trip us up. How many of good things can trip us up? There's nothing wrong with sporting events and social media and TV and all the stuff that, that many of us do. But the problem is, is we are so connected to that and so not connected to him. So he gives us the two problems, disconnection from God and too connected to the world. But he also gives us the two solutions. He said this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer, what's that do? reconnects me to God. What does fasting do? It, it disconnects me from the world. So he gave us the two solutions to being disconnected from God and too connected to the world through prayer and fasting. Now, a couple of things about fasting. When you decide to fast, you are, you are you're pronouncing your dependence on God. 
You're saying, God, I've done it my way, and, and, but I, I'm, I'm ready to just put it all aside and focus all of my attention, all of my energy on what you're doing. And so biblical fasting is, is the believer's way because when Jesus talked about praying, fasting, and giving, he did not say, if you pray, if you fast, or if you give. He said, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Jesus fully expected that his followers from time to time would push reset by fasting and prayer. They would just get their spirits back into alignment by saying, I'm going to set aside time to seek God. And the discipline of fasting brings long-term, long-term results. I want to say it like this. Fasting and prayer will bring immediate breakthrough, but there will be blessings that will show up this year in October of 2018 that will be connected to what you're doing in January of 18. You have to understand there, there will be blessings all year long because of what you're doing at the beginning of a new year. So I want to give you five things real quick, five quick things that you need to know before you fast. Number one, you have to know what a fast is. And the best way for me to tell you what a fast is, is to start off by telling you what it's not. Fasting is not dieting. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm glad they're fasting. I'm going to drop 10 pounds. Listen, go ahead and eat. Go ahead and eat. All right, get the pizza and the Krispy Kreme. If that is the only reason that you're fasting is to drop weight, you have missed what God wants to do. So it's not a diet. Uh, if you enter into a fast simply by removing food and not adding a spiritual component, you will have a shrinking waist and you will have a shrinking faith all at the same time, okay? The other thing about fasting, it's not uh, you and I starving for God's attention. What I mean by that, it's not, fasting is not you and I holding a gun to God's head. God, I need this. I'm going to fast. I'm or I'm going to twist your arm, God, so that you'll do what I need you to do. It's not that at all. God is only going to perform his will. Fasting is not getting God to do something for me. Fasting is getting me prepared for what God already wants to do for me. Does that make sense? It's, it's getting me ready to receive what God has. The other thing I would say about it is it's not for crisis moments only. A lot of people only get serious about prayer and fasting when something, wrong, when, when something bad happens. Like I lose a job, I'm going to pray and fast. I was diagnosed with this, I'm going to pray and fast. Why be reactive when we could be proactive? Like listen, if somebody needs healing, like they're on their deathbed, they don't have time for you to say, all right, I'll be back. I need to go pray and fast three days. Why not take care of it in January and be ready all year? Be ready to walk in power all year long. It's not just for a crisis moment. What is fasting? Simply stated, biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. So it's not about what we lose in food. It's about what you and I gain in God. The second thing you need to know before you fast is know the fast that is right for you. All right, I can't, there's no formula I can give you to determine which fast you should do. Okay, you have to come to grips with that. 
That's something that the Holy Spirit and you need to work out, okay? You got to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I will tell you. There are different kinds of fast. There is a complete fast. Everybody say complete fast. All right? This is not deep, not hard. It is what, it, what you think it is. All right? A complete fast means you drink water. Some of you are like, oh, praise the Lord. That sounds awesome. Right? You drink water. If you get weak, you can add juice to it. It's a complete fast. And here's what you need to know. There are people in this church that will fast 21 days and do water. There are people here that do that, that, that they're that committed to it. And, and listen, here's what I, I want to tell you. You're not going to die. You're just going to feel like you're going to die. I've done a 21-day fast before with, with just liquid, and there was moments I thought I was going to die. Okay? But I didn't. I'm still here. Um, there is a Daniel fast. The Daniel fast is the one a lot of people pick because the Daniel fast was 21 days, okay, 21 days, um, and it's no meat, no sweets, all right, no meat, no sweets, and also no bread. Some of you are like, I'm out now, right? No meat, no sweets, no bread, 21 days. That was the Daniel fast. Uh, in, in the book of Daniel, Daniel 1, verse 12, it says, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Daniel 10 and 3 says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my, into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So Daniel and, and, and those with Daniel fasted 21 days, fruits, vegetables, and water. And the Bible says that they came out and they were healthier than all those who were eating the king's food. Okay, some of y'all, if you did some lab work tomorrow, the doctor would probably tell you fruits and vegetables and water would be good for you. Come on, somebody. All right. The next one is a partial fast. A partial fast is from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. or from sunup to sundown. A lot of people will choose to do one meal a day. They choose to do, I'll, I'll just eat dinner every day or, or just lunch every day. Just choose one meal, do that one meal. That how many know God will honor whatever you do? He will honor whatever you do. And when it comes to the Daniel fast, let me encourage, encourage all those that may say that's the one you're going to do. Please don't get so bogged down in all the rules of the fast that you're missing out on the relationship. Some people make it all about the ingredients and all about what you can have and can't have, and they're missing the point of prayer and fasting. Uh, the third thing is know why you're fasting. If you lose your why, you will lose your way. You got to know why. And speaking of the why, there is a prayer and fasting uh, covenant underneath your seat. You can go ahead and grab that, pull it out. It's just like a half sheet of paper. Um, this is for you, okay? This is not for me. Like, I'm not going to call you in a week and say, what are you eating? Come on, y'all smile or something. Like, this is for you. This, this is for your own accountability, not for any of us to check in on you or any of that stuff. But here's what I've learned about most people who do not succeed in prayer and fasting. It's because they don't set out to succeed in it. They don't write anything down. They don't have any prayer targets. They haven't already decided what kind of fast they're going to do. They say things like, you know, I'll pray and fast with the church, but I'm just going to wing it every day. Uh, and that's cool, but what's, what, what's pro the problem with that is if you just wing it every day, you're going to end up in about 20, two dozen wings. So that's what's going to happen. You're going to end up eating. You're going to end up negotiating. You're going to become a great expert lawyer because you're going to renegotiate your terms with God. 
You're going to change it every day. So you need to set on the front end, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm praying for. And, and this little half sheet that you have, uh, my reason for fasting, and it's got the beginning date and end date. Um, this thing wasn't even big enough for all the things I'm praying for. Like, I'm serious about this. There are some things I want God to do in 18, and I'm going to say it like this. There's some stuff that I need from God that I want more than pizza. And I love pizza. Come on, somebody. Like, I love it. But there are some things I need God to do that's more important than food. And, and if your marriage has been struggling, you need to target your marriage over 21 days. If you have an addiction that you've not been able to break, you need to write that addiction down. Write it down. Hit your neighbor and tell him, write it down. Come on, you got to write it down. You need some targets. And so through the different fasts in Scripture, you see addictions being broken, problem-solving coming. In other words, God gives wisdom. National revival came as a result of fasting and prayer. Elijah was healed of negative emotional feelings uh, through prayer and fasting. Major life decisions can be made when you've been praying and fasting. Health and healing spring forth when you pray and fast. Uh, protection. How many could use protection over your kids, right? I mean, that's a great thing. Write your kids down. God, put a hedge of protection around them. Target that in prayer. But remember why, why you are fasting. And don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. If that's the only reason you have, you might as well go on to the restaurant and enjoy yourself. You have to make it spiritual. Listen, you got you to say, this is what I'm praying for, God. This is what I'm believing for. And you got to target those things. And then prayerfully, you, you know, prayerfully ask God what you should be praying. If you're not real sure what you should be targeting, some of y'all are like, Pastor, my list is seven miles long. Well, ask God what you should target. Ask Him what you should be fasting for. Um, number four, know your plan. Nothing secures success like a proper plan. Arranging special time each day with God. Okay, you, ha you have to know your plan, but you also have to set aside time to be with God. It's not enough just to go without food, but not set aside any one-on-one -on -one time with God. You have to be in His presence. Uh, don't allow your public life to pull you away from a successful fast. And here's what I mean by that. In Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18, it says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, we are corporately fasting, but it's meant to be a private experience. Does that make sense? In other words, if you're at the office and you just, you're limping in and they say, what's wrong? Oh, I had not ate in 10 days. About to die. Or they say, we're having a little party for so-and-so in the break room. You should come. No, nope, I don't eat. I love Jesus more than all y'all. All right? So, so he said, wash your face. Get dressed. Lady, go ahead and put your makeup on. Right? Don't, don't limp into work or wherever you're going, acting like you're dying. Letting every, he said, because if you do that, you have your full reward. That's it. That's your breakthrough. Everybody knows that you love Jesus and you don't eat. But how many know you need, you need God to do more than just 
people knowing you love Jesus and you don't eat. Right? You, you need more of that. He says, but when you, he said, you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right? So it's a corporate time of fasting, but it's meant to be experienced privately. Okay? The fit, the, the, the couple things practically speaking. Consider your schedule. That's the first thing you need to look at as it relates to fasting. Consider your schedule. You need to know what appointments you have, what family functions, you know, what, what all's going on over the 21 days so that you can properly plan uh, to have a su- successful fast. Um, plan your day. In the morning, make sure that you start with praise and worship. Make sure you start with the Word of God. Maybe at lunchtime, if you have a break at work, read a book. Buy the Stovall Weems book out in the store on fasting. In the evening, find, find uh, some preaching, some sermon. Find ways to make sure that the Word of God is being planted in your heart while you, while you fast. Um, also, not only consider your schedule, but prepare spiritually. Too often, we get all the Daniel fast in, in, ingredients, and we, we got recipes, and we're ready to go, and we reorder our fridge, but we don't reorder our spirit. You have to reorder your spirit as well. The same way you are preparing for what you're going to eat over 21 days, you have to prepare your spirit for that as well. How do I prepare my spirit? You prepare your spirit by repenting for, for the sin in your life. Say, like, Pastor, I'm holy. Listen, the Bible says, he, whoever, he who says that they are without sin, you know what the Bible says you are? A liar. Come on, somebody, smile. All right, it says you're a liar. All right, we all have issues, so you need to repent. If you, if you have an offense with somebody, you need to make that right. Figure out how to make it right, okay? Have a conversation with someone. Get that stuff under the blood so that you can focus on spiritual things. And then write out your guidelines, okay? Write it out. Make sure it's plain. Know what you're signing up for or what you're committed to. The last thing is the worship team comes back. You need to know what to expect, Know what to expect. When, physically speaking, when you fast, your body will detoxify, okay, which means all the sugar you've been eating all Christmas season, all the caffeine. I've eaten more sugar over the last two weeks than I have all year. Everywhere I turn, somebody's got a new piece of fudge, a new Oreo ball that I can't resist. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, but your body, listen, it's going to detoxify. And so the first two days of a fast you're going to feel horrible. Let me encourage you. You're going to feel horrible. You're going to have a headache. And listen, that's not a demon. It's just all the caffeine you're not taking in and all the sugar you're not taking in. Your body will detoxify. You need to know that the first couple days is always the worst, but if you can hang in there, hit your neighbor and tell your neighbor, hang in there. If you can make it to about day four, Listen, day four, I know that's a long time, but, but about day four, you hit a sweet spot physically. You'll start feeling better, and spiritually, you'll start sensing the closeness of the Holy Spirit. That's usually when it hits for me. It's usually physically and spiritually at about day four. It's like you get through the fog of the headaches and all the stuff, uh, and, and you're at a better place. And I'm, I'm, why, am I, why are you telling us that, Pastor? Because I don't want you to think the devil's attacking you when you just feel like going to bed on day two. Okay, you're not going to feel the greatest. Um, some tips 
tips for you. Um, if you're on medication or have any physical issues at all, you need to speak with your doctor. Please don't just jump on board with this and you're on 12 different medications and then you get extremely sick and they say, what happened? Well, pastor said I had to fast. <laughs> no, I'm, you, you can't throw me under the bus, all right? You need to make sure you're, you're ready to go for it. Speak with someone. The other thing I would, I would tell you, if, especially if you're on a full fast, if you decide to do several days of just liquid or, or maybe one meal, you need to limit your exercise. Don't go out and run 10 miles while fasting because we're going to find you dead on the trail. All right? You got to be, be careful. And if you can, if you can, it, I, Karen and I probably never get to do this because we have four kids, but if you're able, take a nap. I'm not kidding. Take a nap. There's physical things you do, spiritual things you do. You got to fit physically with the right foods and, and, and making the right decisions, but spiritually having your, your spirit ready. But you also have to rest, all right? So, so know when to do that. Uh, make time for it. And the last thing is expect results spiritually. God is not intimidated by your level of expectation. God is looking for great faith. So pray big prayers. Pray bold prayers. Believe God for the impossible. And, and remember this, as you pray and fast, you are simply coming into alignment with His kingdom. And how many know in the kingdom of heaven, there's no sickness, there's no lack, there's no depression. None of that's in, in the kingdom. And one day we're all going to be there, right? We're going to live in that realm all the time. But Jesus said, while you're on earth, you need to pray that that realm enter into your earth. All right, so that's what we are doing. Would you stand with me all over this place? But as you stand, though, grab the communion elements underneath your seat. We're going to receive communion together in just a moment. As you stand, though, let me just say, um, let's, for just a moment, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and Holy Spirit, we just rely on you in this moment as we're committing to fasting and prayer. God, we just rely on, on your strength, God, to be made perfect in our weakness. And God, we just believe that these 21 days are going to be meaningful. Our lives are going to be impacted, God. And God, even as we receive communion, communion today, God, we believe that healing will spring forth speedily, God, that our lives will be changed. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one looking around. If you're in this place and you say, well, that's a tough message, the whole fasting thing. I don't even know Jesus. I still believe you're in the right place. You're still in the right place. God wants to save you. He wants to begin a relationship with you. And as we said earlier, salvation doesn't cost us anything, but it costs Jesus everything. He laid his life down so that you and I could be saved. If you're in this place today or watching online and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. I want to make him the Lord, the Savior of my life. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that is me. I want to know Jesus today. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Give you just another moment. Anyone at all? If you would, pull the communion elements out. We want to receive communion together today, and I, th I think it's a great opportunity.
before we fast and pray, just to discern the Lord's body. I, I've taught on this, and, and you maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. And I won't go through the whole teaching, but here's what you have to understand about communion. It's not just a sacrament that we observe like a, like a tradition. We believe that something significant happens when we receive communion. The Apostle Paul said that many died early because they had not properly discerned the Lord's body. In other words, they didn't really see what partaking of his body and his blood, what it could do in a person's life. That in this moment, uh, one, one Christian author wrote a book called The Meal That Heals. I believe that if you're sick, you can be healed as we receive communion. I believe that if you're depressed, joy can come as we receive. You need to know this is, this is the, no different than me praying for you or somebody sitting next to you praying for you. In this moment, God's presence is here. Amen? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the bread. Verse number 25. It says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You can take the cup. Jesus. Can we take just a moment? Let's pause right here and can we just thank God right now for all that he's done in 2017. Come on, all the ways he's been faithful. Give him praise for that and honor him in this moment for what his body and blood means to us. We're going to give you an opportunity for prayer today and also an opportunity just to praise God for all that he's done for you. Our prayer team and staff's coming forward. We're going to do one more song together. Don't miss out on an opportunity for prayer. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.